1: The culture is the culture. It's four to six
2: A to B, competitive excellence, and the Brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always gonna be here at Ohio State. <laughs> Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast on The Athletic. Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman after Ohio State's 38-25 to 25 win at Penn State on Saturday night. We're recording this on, on Sunday afternoon. We've had some time to digest this, some time to figure out what it means maybe for the greater landscape of, of college football. The, the reaction by Ohio State fans right now is a, a little odd to me, and we'll, we'll talk about that too. We'll do some stock up, stock down off the game as well but Ari let's dive into I guess maybe your first impressions off the game like what's front of mind for you with with what we were thinking coming off Nebraska what you hope to see improve I guess going into the Penn State game and then coming out of the Penn State game at the risk
1: of sounding like a complete homer
2: go Bucks. I thought they kicked Penn
1: State's ass and I know I before the game I started my prediction was 42 to 14 and having watched it if you were to blindfold the scoreboard, it felt more like 42 14 than 38 25. So yeah. I know that there's a lot of negativity. And I think, you know, honestly speaking, a lot of the negativity from some of the fans that you're seeing is people being mad that they didn't cover the spread. I know. I know. You know, and I think that there's a huge <laughs> deal, you know, because a lot, I mean, a lot of Ohio State fans gamble on the games and we get it. Um, and that was heartbreaking for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, missing a field goal from the 22, 22 yard field goals, time <laughs> expires to miss by the hook. Depending on when you you bet on it, I think is a really tough thing to swallow. But from the most part, looking at the schedule ahead and, and looking at Penn State, probably is the best team that Ohio State's going to face. Once we got some more context of the rest of the games, I thought Ohio State
2: completely demolished them. It was kind of a funny thing because you and I were in different places with our game picks. Like I picked a tighter score, and I thought it would be a closer game and you picked more of a blowout and I was closer on the score, but you were right about how the game played out. Like I was, I was wrong about just how close those two teams would be. Um, Cause Penn or Ohio state left points on the board. They had to two missed field goals. And before one of the missed field goals, like a ball went off Garrett Wilson's hands in the end zone. Like it, it frankly probably should have been a touchdown. And I thought Ryan day, at least on one of the field goals I thought maybe he would have gone for it there I think they were on a five yard line yeah um, I thought maybe they would have tried to score a touchdown there so you're talking about you know a reasonable at least seven points and certainly you know go beyond that with the other kick 10 points that, that Ohio State miss and if this is 48 to 25 I think everyone's feeling much much better for for a lot of reasons financial reasons certainly among well I
1: think them. that if you're not feeling good about where Ohio State sits in terms of the college football playoff and positioning in the game you're crazy. Like, I know that it yep. wasn't a 52 to 10 game and it didn't feel like Nebraska, but I thought that Ohio State looked much better against Penn State than they did against Nebraska. And for those reasons, we'll get into later in the podcast. But from a positioning standpoint now, Ohio State doesn't play another competitive game for what, six weeks? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, and maybe. I think, we, like, <laughs> I don't know. The. The spread of the Rutgers game for next week is, what, 38 points or 40 points or some crazy stuff like that? 30, I don't even,
2: it opened at 37, but it'll okay. be – It'll at sure
1: 44 probably. Yeah. And, you know, that's the way it goes. So I, I think Penn State has a knack. And the reason why the spread was acting so weird before the game is they have a knack, and I sent. I think I sent this in the text to you during the game, but they have – for the third attempt of saying this now, they have a knack for getting blown out without it translating to the scoreboard. And I thought there was a lot of comparable – feeling to the way the Penn State game went um, in Columbus last year, all the way down to Justin Fields getting hurt. <laughs> yeah. And I mean getting hit with, with the game pretty much out of out of sync. So not out of sync, out of uh, out of touch for Penn State. They weren't gonna win and he was still in the game. Um, but for the fact that it was a two score game or a thirteen point game, I looked more to me like a thirty point blowout. You take that weird field goal that Penn State got at the end of the first half out of the equation. Um, There were a lot of weird unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that I thought were kind of weak. There were just a lot of weird things that happened in that game that kept Penn State alive when Ohio State was beating them up pretty good. And I understand that's frustrating for the gamblers, but when you're trying to take away, like, where's Ohio State right now in the context of the sport, I think they're firmly cemented as the top two or three, you know, the same three teams that we talk about every week. Um and if that's the toughest opponent that they're going to have this year, the toughest situation on the road, how every challenge moving forward's easier than that
2: one, right? Yes, and I I would I would include Michigan in that conversation as yes. well based off what happened with Michigan this weekend. Michigan's defense uh, still stinks. <clears throat> Michigan State was running behind Michigan, so if they're doing that, I have I have no worry that Ohio State's not going to be able to do the same and put fifty up on them again at the end of the year. So this is it. This was the hurdle. This was the only thing resembling a hurdle they were going to have. I guess we'll see when they get to the Big Ten championship game who's who's there. Looks like now it might be like Northwestern <laughs> because Wisconsin season is kind of off the rails a little bit. Um, they're not going to get pushed, I don't think, by anybody until they get to the college football playoff. You know, assuming that the season stays intact long enough for us to get there. Um, so, I I I think part of this is people under. I, I Penn State's good. I know Sean Clifford is a limited quarterback. Penn State has two first round defensive ends, uh, good corners. Like Joey Porter Jr. is a great young cornerback. Uh, Devin Ford is a one time considered to be a five-star prospect, a tailback who like Ohio state would love to have right now. He's a top 100 high school player. Like he's a good player. They had five starters back on their offensive line. That's a good Penn state team and Ohio state kicked their ass. Yeah. I I mean, I honestly
1: feel like the game went exactly the way I thought they were going to go. And I had some concerns about some of Ohio state's position groups, some of which were eased a lot. And some of them were kind of changed, but still there. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, we'll get into those things. But, yeah, I mean, I underestimated Penn State. The one thing I'll say about James Franklin and, you know, take his head-scratching decision-making now and then, like going forward from his own 40 on the first drive of the game and, you know, some of the things that have gone wrong in the past, he always has that team ready to play. Uh-huh. And, like, maybe next year when we're talking about how to gamble on it, like we do every year on a podcast, I'll take into account that Penn State keeps it close even when it's not. I think Ohio State is head and shoulders better than Ohio, uh, Penn State. But when we're comparing Penn State into the context of the rest of the Big Ten, they have more talent than any team that Ohio State's going to face this year. And if that is the challenge and that's what the challenge is going to look like, I I think that that was every bit as impressive as Alabama's win over uh, Georgia. And I'm not comparing Penn State to Georgia, but I think that's kind of like the – the same type of atmosphere game that you would expect in the Big Ten, and I don't think it was ever close. I think the Georgia game, Alabama game, was much closer than the Penn State-Ohio State game. Even though yeah. the score was more lopsided in the Alabama game, they kind of ran away with it at the end, but Penn State didn't have a chance to win that game for a second.
2: I was looking this last night because I thought this conversation might come up. Alabama-Georgia, I believe, was 41-24. So it's like basically the same score. If Ohio State makes one of those field goals, it's basically the same score. Now, Georgia – you're right. Georgia is better than Penn State. Georgia's defense has more five-star – Georgia overall has more five-star prospects. It's more talented than Penn State by, you know, fairly significant margin. But I think it's a similar kind of measuring stick, you know, given Ohio State and Alabama sort of unique situations. Good defensive team, decent offensive skill weapons, limited quarterback. What do you do against that team? And the answer was, you know, I I think dominate them – At least offensively, I thought they dominated them. Defensively, there were certainly some things they gave up, and we'll talk about that. But Ohio State's offense, I thought, looked great. I could kind of do whatever it wanted. Ended up with 38 points, and it very reasonably could have been 48 or 50 points if they would have finished two more drives um, when they got deep in the red zone.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's just Penn State making plays. I guess the only thing that you were concerned or would be concerned with uh, from that game was the few drives that Penn State put together really quickly for touchdowns, and you know that Jahan Dotson touchdown catch was one of the coolest catches I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. but it was also a penalty. <laughs> if, you go, if you go look at the picture, his weight uh, is flying backwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know they they got three points before half. That was a very weird situation. You go into the locker room feeling a little bit of excited excitement if you're Penn State getting on the board and, and getting a, a break that you might need, and then you score on the first drive in the third quarter, and all of a sudden you're back in the game, or it feels like you're back in the game, but. You know what were the, the main trigger points here, Bill? At least after the Nebraska game, was what the two things were? What they were the interior or defensive line from my standpoint? Yep. Um, and running back. Now, one, I'm just nuts. Like I, I, I don't know. It looked like <clears> Nebraska. <throat> everybody was so excited about uh, how the defensive line played against Nebraska, and I was like, "What game are they watching?" And then I guess I just caught up. I was a week late. <laughs> Haskell Garrett is he like the new star of this team? Is he the emerging star of 2020?
2: He, him and Harry Togiai. Yeah. he's uh, Both those guys are playing really well. Like, way better than I thought they were capable of. I mean, if
1: Haskell Garrett is going to play like Draymond Jones, then right. Ohio State might have something there. You know? And he's, like, super athletic. And this is what we expected out of him when he was recruited. But, you know, years go by, you start forgetting about guys, and all of a sudden they emerge again. And I was very impressed. I thought he was everywhere. Um, the other thing, too... I don't know for sure. Like, Sean Clifford got his ass kicked last night, but I don't know if that was because he was pressured a ton or just felt that way because they kept trying to run him up the gut of of Ohio State's (laughs) defense, which was their only option. Like, I don't blame them. But, you know, I I do a little bit worry about the pressure that Ohio State is getting, but defensive line was a major concern for me after week one. Now it's, like, not a concern at all. It completely changed, and they are playing against a better team too. And then the other thing I wanted to say is – um, and then we'll get into running back. But first, you you said something about how Penn State has defensive ends like first round or a really Shaka good defensive Tony ends.
2: And Jason Ailway are first round defensive ends. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you saw the stat. I think I saw it on Pro Football Focus or one of the Twitter accounts. But they didn't get a single pressure either of the ends on the Ohio State's tackles last night.
2: Yeah, which Wier- is an absurd. Nick Petit- they have not stat. allowed it. They have, both tackles have not allowed a pressure through two games. And who's going to pressure them in the next four? I, I don't know. Like yeah.
1: I, I, this might be a let Justin Fields relax back at the hotel room for the next three weeks and just kind of like would regroup again in November, at the end of November. Because
2: well, the they don't even play a team with a got, pulse for the next month. I mean, he's got now. I thought he had an outside shot of it anyway. talk about Justin Fields of winning the Heisman Trophy, but now Trevor Lawrence isn't playing. Trevor Lawrence didn't play against Boston College. He's not going to play against Notre Dame. So. Assuming Justin Fields can play all of his games, he's. I think he's the Heisman frontrunner now. I thought Trevor Lawrence was because he was going to have more games to accumulate stats, but now that he's missing too, Justin Fields is going to put up video game numbers for the next six weeks. I th- like if barring barring him not playing in a game, uh, I think he wins the Heisman Trophy now. Is this like the portion of the podcast where you
1: want to go overboard and hyperbole with me about Justin Fields? because after that play where he rolled out in the second half uh, Saturday night, almost tripped over himself, kept his balance from falling and then threw it into the flats for the first down mm-hmm. it just hit me like we are watching the best quarterback in Ohio State history and I don't know if I would take Trevor Lawrence over him right now.
2: Somebody wrote that uh, as a prediction before the season started.
1: I mean I, I think I don't yeah. think that Justin Fields could be playing better in any facet. I've got no complaints I and agree. they're not they don't even need to run run him. Um, I think it's good that they're not running him you know he got walloped a little bit at the end there and it yeah, kind of makes you hold scary. your breath <laughs> but I mean covering the team has anybody been better at quarterback and no. like now I think the discussion isn't necessarily is he the best quarterback of all time because people will hit you with the JT Barretts and the Troy Smiths and the Heisman and the hardware and, the, and all the stuff that I'm just talking when I say best of all time the best physical talent that Ohio State has had at that at that position in the history of the program. And, you know, it, this season wasn't supposed to happen. Um, it, it's happening now. Ohio State's got the chance. It's a generational team, as Dryan Day put it, when they were desperate to get the season back on track. I think that this team, although I'm not sure I want to say is better than last year's team, is uh, one of those rare slivers of hope of actually winning the national championship. Like, to me, watching I watch college football all day now. <laughs> and i you know back in the past when i was with you we were on the road you know we were at pizza hut like it it wasn't always easy to catch everything ohio state in my opinion is the best team in college football right now
2: i don't know if i'm there quite yet um because of some of the defensive stuff i think it might be the best offense or at least the best offense of the teams that are going to make the college football playoff um best team i hesitate a little bit with that um but I also don't think, like if you want, like Clemson went into an 18-point hole against Boston College, like teams give up stuff to, to offense. It's just like the nature of, of college football. And, and I think I wrote this in the final thoughts piece. It's going to go up on Sunday afternoon. Penn State came out, or Ohio State came out with a really good defensive plan, I think, to limit the quarterback run to highlight stopping Pat Fryermuth, And they did that. They Fryermuth didn't really do much. The quarterback run game was basically non-existent. They they shut down Devin Ford. Like they owned the run game and I think like the short passing game. But Penn State has good weapons and a smart offensive coordinator and good teams. When you take one thing away, they counter and, and try to go where you've diverted resources from. And that's what Penn State did. And you can't really stop both. Like Ohio State's defense stopped both a lot of the time last year, but they played some terrible offenses last year. And they had Chase Young who speeds up everyone's clock and limits what everyone can do for the most part. Stopping everything is nearly impossible when you're playing any team with like a modicum of offensive talent.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: It's also unreasonable to expect it. Yeah. So, and like, that's like I the think, point that we came out of the Georgia-Alabama game with, right? It's like if Ohio State gives up twenty-eight or thirty-one points to anybody in the country, and they will give up twenty-eight or thirty-one points when they play Alabama and Clemson, can they score forty? And I think the answer to that question is yes. And when I'm watching this team play, and I don't know, you know, Penn State's got some talent in the secondary and stuff. There wasn't any; they couldn't cover them. There was nobody around Ohio State receivers the entire night. They were open by four or five yards all night. Uh, I, I don't know. When you look at Garrett Wilson, he looks like David Boston to me out there. Like I don't know if I'm just like <laughs> watching this with scarlet and gray glasses on for some reason this year, but I'm watching this team, and I'm almost in awe of how good they are offensively. Now, the one thing that I do think is their running back situation. Uh, I'm very curious to see. I thought Master Teague looked a heck of a lot better than he did in week one, and I think he is the best running back on the team right now. We didn't see any more of Steel Chambers unless I missed something. He didn't play. Um, And, yeah, and uh, Justin Fields didn't even carry the ball except for a sneak, right? So, like, they're going to have yeah. to get stuff on the ground when they play Alabama and Clemson. <laughs> they can't not run the ball. But I think right now Master Teague is
2: up and away the best running back on the team, and I think that he should be the primary back. I came out of the game feeling the same way. There were also times when, it was like, Teague's limitations are pretty evident. He has, like, no wiggle to him. He's straight downhill. He can make one cut, and that's all he can do. Because he had that one long run where if he was able to do a jump cut, he could have eluded the last defender and scored. Like, I think J.K. Dobbins would have scored on that play. But it's just not in, in Master Teague's bag. And, like, we knew that, so I'm not expecting things of him that, that he can't do. But it's just, like, evident. Like, that's, that's what's missing. Like, I don't think there are going to be many home runs from the rushing game this year unless Master Teague, like, gets through a gaping hole in the middle of the defense and there's literally nobody in the middle of the field because he is straight line fast. Um Trey Sermon does have more wiggle to him, but he doesn't have much power to him. And I think at the moment what this offense needs the most is a guy who's just like gonna get you three, four, five, move the chains on third and one. And I, I don't know if Trey Sermon's that guy. I, I still I don't want to write him off yet because he's he's had he had 13 carries. For 56 yards against Penn State Their average yards per carry are basically the same Through two games Their yards after contact are like basically the same Through two games So, like Teague had the 100 yard game but he had 23 carries 10 more than Sermon had So I think they're still about even I think you'll still see them split the workload For the most part to see if someone can take that job But I did think Sermon came out against Penn State And like kind of looked the same that he looked against Nebraska And I thought Teague came out against Penn State And looked a little better than he looked against Nebraska
1: Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's just a weird dynamic because it's been so long since Ohio State's been in this position. But I don't think that they have any running back who's going to hit a home run. And, like, when T gets even into open space, it's like, you know, this is going to go 12, 16, 17 yards maybe, but that's it. And I think I know exactly what run you're talking about where, you know, was it in the red zone where it looked like – he.
2: Where he got stopped in the red zone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he
1: got stopped in the red zone, but it looked like there was a kind of a hole there to the left that he could have cut up field and scored maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it's not a big deal right now against an overmatched team, but that kind of stuff becomes a big deal when you're in a one-possession game with a really good football team. Yeah. And I I wonder if that's going to be a problem for them. Maybe they'll develop as the season goes on. But if I look across the board at this team, I thought Josh Proctor made some nice plays. Marcus Hooker made some plays in the, in the secondary. I feel good about them. The linebackers, I thought, played a much better game. Maybe it was a more um, typical situation for these linebackers, and it was a more of an ideal matchup with the way that Penn State plays offense a little bit, so maybe that's why it was um, good. But I thought it was a great game for the linebackers. The defensive line goes without saying, especially now that we had some emergence of some pretty – Important defensive tackles. The offensive line has been playing out of its mind. I thought that Penn State got at least the entire first quarter got their ass kicked. The entire the entire in, in most of the game. Justin Fields goes without saying the receivers are ridiculous. Chris Olave's healthy. The only thing that I could point out right now that would be a concern about this football team is their lack of explosiveness at running back.
2: What about the stuff the corners were giving up?
1: I don't know. It's I mean it's not it's not perfect, but I don't. I think that that's going to happen, especially because I think yeah. Dotson
2: might be the best receiver they face all year. That's actually a good point. He might be. Um, Michigan State's got you know J- Jalen Naylor's having a, having a nice year for Michigan State. Wap Filior is, is a good receiver at Indiana. They'll see him in three weeks. Um, Michigan's got some guys, but <clears throat> yeah, it could be it could be that Jahan Dotson's the best. I thought. The the drive where Dotson had the two crazy catches, Sean Wade was in pretty good position on both of those. And like you said, I thought it was it was at least borderline offensive pass interference on the touchdown catch. Um, but he also got beat on an inside slant for a touchdown. Seven Banks got picked on for a drive, and he gave up a touchdown. I think they need to figure out what exactly they want to be. And and I think there's a little bit of a I don't know if clashing of styles is probably too strong of a word, but like Kerry Combs, we we know when he was here the last time. Like he's got a pretty strong sort of man coverage aggressive background and they were doing some of that stuff against penn state when i just don't think that was like the right course of action against against that kind of offense that's going to kind of the rpo you to death um i think you need to you play play zone you need to get your linebackers to get more depth in their zone they had the linebackers triggering a little too much downhill to stop the run and they did it but the trade-off was that the middle of the field was kind of wide open so they got to figure out the balance there it didn't lead to a loss. The Penn State scored three times on however many drives they had. Um, it's not it's not something that's super alarming to me, but I think Kerry Combs is a first time coordinator is maybe trying to figure out a little bit how to adjust in game and, and what things might work best against against certain looks. But the good news is, um, I guess aside from Indiana in three weeks, it has a has a decent offense. Um, they're not going to see anybody who I think can really push them on that side of the ball until probably they play Michigan at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know. I came into the game thinking that Penn State sucks, and I think that that was a little bit short-sighted. I think that the game played out exactly the way I would have expected it to. The score didn't do it, but if Penn State sucks, then who's good? So I, I think that a lot of times I, I get into trouble framing other teams through the lens that I I grade Ohio State. And if I say Penn State sucks, that's relative to Ohio State, but that doesn't mean they're not better than everybody else in the Big Ten. And I I don't know. I I think I could say this with confidence, but especially now with Notre Dame and the ACC, and I'm super excited to watch that game next Saturday, I think there's there's a bigger margin between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten right now than there is between Clemson and the rest
2: of the ACC. Yeah, it's only because Notre Dame exists. And is playing in the ACC this year. No, I know Notre I, Dame. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame should there. be
1: on par, but Notre Dame is a team that
2: teams like Penn State and Michigan should be on par with. I don't know that they're not. Yeah, they, they I think might. Cle, I think Clemson's going to bury Notre Dame this week. No, I know. I think there are three good teams in college football, and then there's like a mess of eleven teams that could all beat each other on a any given yeah. day.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to you know, continue reading and talking about the way that Ohio State fans have perceived this game. But if you're an Ohio State fan, don't you just have to feel really great? Like it's an early season, weird I season uh, schedule. It's the biggest game on the road. They now are two more years away before they've got to worry about the whiteout again. Uh, going into the next month of the season, they can kind of refine and work on the things that have been concerning, the, the small list of things that are concerning. Um, and really, I just don't – it's possible that Ohio State isn't going to get challenged again until it plays on January 1. Yep. I mean, I don't know, especially if we don't know what's going on with Wisconsin or if they're going to be able to rebound or even you know play in the Big Ten game, <laughs> the championship game. I don't look at the schedule
2: and say this is a dangerous game anywhere. I think Michigan will be able to score a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be able to score enough to keep up with Ohio State. Like that game might be like 52 to 35 or something, but 52 to
1: 26 like every other game that they play. Yeah, like but I don't And they get 14 in the first half, so you get scared for a minute and then Ohio State right. runs away with it. It's the same <laughs> game every year.
2: Yeah, I just don't, there's nobody out there that can keep up with with what this offense is going to do the rest of the way. And that's why I like it's kind of crazy. Like I understand it's okay to have questions and it's okay to be skeptical, but I just feel like too much of the focus is like on the little blemishes we've seen through two games, and like there's not enough appreciation of what's happening, particularly on the other side of the ball in the offense with like this quarterback and these receivers, this collection of talent in the offensive line, this head coach and his ability to call plays and scheme things up. Like, there's something special happening on offense, but. I don't know if people are taking the time to enjoy that because they saw Jahan Dotson catch a one-handed crazy touchdown pass this week and last week, like Adrian Martinez, did some stuff in quarterback run game.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that even last year there were things that people were worried about. I mean, I even saw people tweeting about, like, is Ohio State not having a kicker going to cost them a game? It's like their starting kicker is injured. And the walk-on missed a 22-yarder, and yes, that sucked, but Ohio State's not going to lose a football game because they're in a three-point game. Like
2: At least he, not he, until January. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and hopefully by then there are kickers back. Uh it looked like he injured himself or I don't know if he was injured or not. Did he injure himself on that first? So the first deal attempt? was
2: the deal was that he like reported Blake Hallbill reported a groin injury pregame. So they had Dominic DiMaccio who as a walk on handle the kickoffs. And Hobby was going to try to do field goals, and then he missed that first chip shot field goal, and they just shut him down and then let DiMaggio handle the rest of it. So he kind of came in hurt, and they were going to, to give it a go. And then once he missed, they were, going to, they were going to put him back out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, hopefully for his sake and for Ohio State's sake, he'll be back. Um, and I don't know that this is necessarily something that I would be, like, grinding my teeth over. So, like, if you, like, played the role of an Ohio State fan right now and you wanted to be the most dramatic possible – Um, Scenario of 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 a Ohio State fan, like what would your number one thing be? Would it just be running back? Because that would be mine. I
2: I don't even know what you could nitpick. No, my I mean, mine wouldn't be running back. Um, I mine would be on the defensive side, and and like it's explosive plays. Can you limit explosive plays? I think they've given up maybe one or two too many explosive plays so far. And it's come via the run. It was, like, via the run last week. It was via the pass a little bit this week. And it's just something they didn't do last year. But the makeup of last year's defense was so different. Like, I can't hammer that point home enough. And also, they did not play any good offenses last year until they, like, played Michigan at the end of the year. Every offense they played last year sucked. And was that last, helped inflate the numbers was, a
1: little bit. Was Penn State's offense a good
2: offense? No. They were terrible last year. No, I'm talking about this year. Uh, Penn State's offense is better. I like Clifford's a little better. Um, the receivers are a little better. The offensive line, I think, is significantly better. Um, so yeah, it's not a it's not a great offense, um, but defending RPOs are hard. <laughs> it's like why that's why offenses run them. They're really difficult to defend. Uh, and Penn State, like to its credit, exploited some advantages on a couple of drives and moved the ball and, and scored. But I don't. It's just like. That, to me, like, the more and more I watch college football is just not something that I get super concerned about because I I don't know how you stop it. Do you have have a pass rush that can create havoc and and disruptive plays and get you some turnovers? I don't know if they're there yet, but I thought the Penn State game was a good step in that direction. And beyond that, it's like, can you stop teams from gashing you for six and seven yards a clip in the run game? And if you can do both those things, like, you're going to give up some stuff in the pass game. It's going to happen. So... I don't think this is something that's going to be going on all year. And if it does, like, feel free to throw it back in my face. But there are two games into this, and there's plenty of time left to figure some stuff out with the way the schedule sets up. So I'm just not going down the road where I'm freaking out about them giving up three touchdowns at Penn State.
1: Yeah, and the other thing, too, and I guess maybe with the exception of the one in the beginning of the third quarter, but both touchdowns that they scored in the fourth uh, were non-pressure garbage time. They're not going to win touchdowns anyway. You know, like I I don't know if that changes anything for you, but I don't think there was a sense of urgency with this defense. I think they were just trying to not give up a big play over the top. I think they were willing to give up some stuff underneath. And yeah, the Dotson play where he went up and caught it like Odell Beckham and scored was a really pretty play. But I don't necessarily look at any of the things that happened in those scenarios that think, yeah, this team this this is going to cost Ohio State down the line if they don't clean this up. That doesn't exist for this team right now. If they don't, let's play that game. If they don't clean this up, this up blank now, it will cost them. Is there anything that you would put in the blank?
2: If you Um, if you put kicker in there, then you need to get a hobby. Yeah, kicker. No, uh, I I think I would. I do think they have. I, I think they have to tighten some stuff up on the back end of their defense. I do, especially when you think about playing like someone like Alabama. I think you know. It's not It's not too hard to get to a place where you envision Devontae Smith and John Mechie running behind some people. Um, but I don't think it's like a porous pass defense. Um, I just think I think guys can get a little more physical on the ball. Um, they missed some of that against Penn State. Um, I think Sean Wade needs to grow a little more comfortable playing on the island. He didn't always look comfortable. He hasn't always looked comfortable, I think, through the first two games. but. It was like their first test, and, and they were coming off a game against Nebraska where they weren't really pushed at all. Penn State's got some receivers and, and a good scheme to, to free guys up. So um, I think they got to tighten it up, but I'm not worried that they're not going to.
1: Yeah, and the other thing, too, I try to like tell myself as well, Bill, is Alabama gave up like 50 points to Ole Miss and mm-hmm. almost lost another game or was in danger of losing um, to the Georgia team that – doesn't really have much of an offense now that we're finding this out. And Clemson was down by like three touchdowns against Boston college on Saturday. So, you know, I think it's funny to me because last year, Ohio state was about as perfect as a team could be right from start to finish. They never were in danger of losing a game. They blew everybody out. There was never a scare. The defense was dominant. The offense was in the top five. There are no problems. And the team didn't win the national championship. And I'm not saying that's not what you strive for, but I think it's, it's, it's perfectly acceptable to, 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 put this team in con- in context and just tell yourself, you know, that's not what this is about. And, you know, it's about being better than the teams that you're playing in the playoff the day you play them. And also understanding too, that you are looking at Ohio state under a magnifying glass And if you looked at Alabama and Clemson under the magnifying glass and not just what you see on SportsCenter, that they have a lot of the same wrinkles and issues as well. And the good news is is that Ohio State's past defense and the wrinkles that you're talking about are being made or perpetrated outside of Sean Wade, who got shoved pretty nicely on the one touchdown that he gave up by first-year players that are first-year starters that are trying to learn this thing through. And now they can experiment with some new things, do some new stuff, and really get comfortable for the next month. And I think by the time Ohio State plays Michigan or plays Michigan State or whatever game scares you, none of them scare me. You know, I think Ohio State's going to win by double digits in every game that they play for the rest of the year. By the time they get to January, this team should be pretty freaking good and have a really good chance of winning the national championship. It's like we're, I feel like we're looking at this Penn State game through the lens of them playing an overmatched, like Michigan State team or illinois or something and it's just like this was supposed to be the biggest game of their year this is the scary game and people are upset because they didn't win by 30
2: yeah i think i think you need to recalibrate a little If if you feel that way i think you need to recalibrate just a bit what you think of penn state and i get it's hard to do that because they lost to indiana but they the way that game played out they beat indiana nine times out of 10 it was a fluky way to lose a game um I'm not saying Penn State's great because they're not great. There's three great teams in college football, and Penn State's not one of them. Um, but they're good, and this it's as good as Ohio State I think is going to see this year. And they didn't really sweat, and they left some stuff on the board, and they still won by two touchdowns. It was it was a fairly dominant performance, I thought. I yeah, I, I think that it's a bunch of weird weird things that happened.
1: Um. Their first field goal, that was like the worst roughing the passer penalty I've ever seen in my entire life, give them the three there. Yep. Bringing the team back onto the field to kick a field goal before halftime, there's another three. And I think on their first touchdown drive in the third quarter, didn't they also have like a weird like late hit where the guy breathed on somebody as he, he ran out of bounds? Yeah, I mean, there were like three or four odd penalties that extended Penn State's drive that turned into points. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember all of the other Penn State games, maybe not last year's, but the three before it. You're not supposed to not be sweating about potentially losing the game for the entire four quarters. And I think that the fact that, really, if you're a reasonable person and you're watching that game, there never should have been a thought in your mind that, hey, Ohio State could lose this game. And I think when you're trying to break down the football game from that perspective, take all the X's and O's out of it, the statistics, the mistakes, the missed field goals, the penalties, the what-ifs, and all that crap, how many of you were sitting in your living room watching that game fearing that they were going to lose? There was no way they were going to lose that football game. They were just leaps and bounds above talent, scheme, coaching. I think Ryan Day coached his ass off. I mean, even this the, the designed quarterback sneaks, the play calling. I think that the way he's designing this offense, some of the rubs that got Garrett Wilson out into the flats, the way Justin Fields is getting good looks downfield. I, I don't. This offense is perfect. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if yeah. I'm like just like too positive right now. And I'm supposed to be the negative guy. But I watched that game thinking this team has got it. And I think that this should be a very exciting week ahead. And for the the best part, in this weird college football season where teams lose every week, like at least now you guys have a month of just relaxing and enjoying it. <laughs> Take that yeah. month and just be like, yeah, we're there. And then yeah. wait,
2: wait, wait for January. And then you know, hopefully you'll get better results than last year. I think they've got it too. Um, I think everything's there for them to, to win a national title this year. I don't feel any differently about that. Um, two games into this than, than I did before the season started or, or back in the summer when we thought the season was going to start on time, this is kind of exactly who I thought they would be. But I would even say on top of it, like Justin Fields is maybe a step or two better than I thought he'd be. As, as Yeah, a no, he is. Um,
1: I know people make fun of me about the hyperbole, and I know I do that. I get excited during the games.
2: But you do you agree with that? I think he is the most gifted quarterback they've ever had, yeah. I think best ever, you can't define that until you see count the rings at the end or trophies or whatever, but raw talent standpoint, I think he's absolutely the best quarterback. I know, but the people who are comparing him to don't have rings or trophies either. I guess what I mean. Well, Troy's got a Heisman, and that's kind of it, I guess. Troy's got a Heisman.
1: um, And Heisman's count, I mean, they matter, and I'm not trying to act like. You know how I always say when I go back to the 2006 season and I felt like their routes were timed well, the receivers and the quarterback were on the perfect it was a pro-style, throw-the-ball-under-all-circumstances-you're-going-to-get-it type of offense. I felt that way watching Ohio State on Saturday night for the first mm-hmm. time since 2006. Those receivers are, are running those routes. They're getting open. When the ball is being delivered, it's delivered perfectly on the on the nose. They're being caught. These routes are crisp. They're getting out of bounds and getting their feet in. It's it, This is a pro-looking offense to me. And I'm not yep. t- talking about the. I'm not talking about the scheme. I'm talking about the professionalism of the way that this is, this offense is being carried out. And Ohio State's had a lot of really great offense in the in this last 15 years since that season. They've had the Cardale Jones. They've won a national championship. They've had the JTs, um, Terrell Pryor. There's been a lot of exciting offensive plays in this stadium. Name one time that Ohio State's been this functional in the passing game.
0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
2: Yeah, I mean 2018 was good um, with Dwayne, but I even think this this feels a little different to me. Um, and the thing that think like this that was my story off of the game on Saturday night was we thought this might be the best Ohio State offense ever, and obviously you can't anoint them that yet through two games. But I think they are on track to be that, and a lot of it's based on the passing game. But I did like it's explosive, like it should be. It's versatile, like it should be. And I like I think the thing that sticks out the most about it is like it's preparedness, like it's detail, like it's not surprised by anything it has everything 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 is is done with purpose yes and that is something that feels different yeah i uh yeah i it, it seems like a whole nother level It's going to be really special and fun the next few weeks, cause and like that—that was like the premise of my story. Like this, here it is. This is really good. It has a ton of potential, and the next six weeks are just going to be them like naming their score. And we've seen that before, but I think this will be a little more fun. With the I find Jessica that far less fun.
1: <laughs> it's fun to watch. I find it more fun getting up and watching a big game. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I, I mean. You know what I always feel like? And I don't know if you feel this way. You cover basketball, so you you know. But whenever I watch the NCAA tournament, like the first weekend, I always think after the team wins their first game, well, this is going to be an awesome 48 hours for them because they get to enjoy what they just accomplished before they have to worry about being knocked out again. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I always just feel like survive in advance type tournaments are just like being alive and enjoying the fun of it while you are alive and for Ohio State the next six games the next six weeks the next month of the season they get to put their feet up and enjoy that they are going to be in the center of the discussion and not ever have to worry about being knocked off and you'll get to see all these young receivers make plays and you know maybe Trey Sermon and um Master Teague will get to a point where they're, they're doing new things because they're playing against teams that can't stop them. You know, there's a lot of uh, fun um, excitement that you're going to get to see just from an entertainment standpoint, but for the best part is every single time you turn on Center, every single time you're listening to a college football podcast, hopefully it's ours and not Buckeye Talk. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Doug. <laughs> you can listen to both. Um, you get to know that, hey, this is your team is a part of it. And I think that's a really fun thing. So um, I don't know if we have to wait till January for that excitement that you had going into last night. Maybe you do. But the fact of the matter is is that excitement kind of went away a little bit because Ohio State didn't even sweat. And that's an exciting feeling for for the fans, I think. And if you're down at all, just pick up an extra shift and cover your your losses. That was tough. I feel bad. (laughs) I do. Um,
2: But just take the dub and, and be happy about it. Just uh, get on get on the Ohio state Rutgers early and, and lay those thirty seven and, and win your money back next week. Yeah, it's free uh, money, right? Let's do uh, let's do stock up, stock down real quick before we wrap up here. Stock up, stock down could be a player, could be an idea, um, could be a coach, could be whatever you want. Okay. Let's do uh, let's do the bad one first. Let's do stock down first. I don't want to be mean. It's hard to not be mean. I'm worried mine's going to be mean. Okay, mine's mean.
1: I think Tyreek Smith's stock is going down. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this guy to break out and be a menace. And he's been on the field and he's flashed a little bit, but I'm starting to worry about where where the production is. And in a world where we're discussing how awesome the defensive line has been and how awesome Haskell Garrett is, and if that's not the easiest stock up that there is, then I don't know. We'll come up with something else. But... I think Ohio State needs more out of its defensive ends. Zach Harrison tackled two people at once, like Sam Hubbard, against Penn State, but I don't necessarily think that hes you can feel him, and he's not playing as much as I thought he would. Um, and you need a defensive end to come out. And Jonathan Cooper, I think, had the best game of his career against Penn State. Mm-hmm. And I think you even tweeted that. I mean, he, I felt Cooper more than I've ever felt him. But where are these young defensive ends that Ohio State is counting on? And maybe it's not just a Tyreek Smith thing. Maybe it's young defensive ends. Where are you? Because um, I don't know, am I am I off on that? And I just don't. No. And then maybe I'm just spoiled by the Bosa and the Chase Young years. And I, I like a completely own up to the idea that I have forgotten how to watch normal teams play. <laughs> but I, I don't know that I feel exactly how we thought we were going to
2: feel from a defensive end pressure disruption standpoint. Cooper was great. I agree with that. I, I'm not I'm not there yet. I actually thought Tyreek Smith had some pretty good get-off against Penn State. He just didn't get home a ton. Um, he finished with two pressures. Cooper had five. Togiai led with six. Um, Harrison and Smith each had two. I, they definitely did not flash the entire game. Much more of the pressure came consistently from the, from the middle of the line. Um, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm someone who picked Tyreek Smith to lead the team in sacks this year, so, so I was expecting a lot out of him too. I, I don't think he's – he's not lived up to that yet but i'm not at a point where i i don't think it's it's gonna or i think it's not gonna happen um i think it could still happen um they got to figure out their rotation there like who's the, who are the top of the line guys or, or if it's a, a straight even four-man rotation if you throw um tyler friday or Javante jean baptiste in, into that mix um but i actually thought given that it was a hard game to get a pass rush going against Nebraska because they ran the quarterback so much, that the pass rush was pretty good against Penn State. Um, So I'm I'm okay with that for the moment. My stock down is on Sean Wade being a first-round pick. That's mean. Yeah, he's really good. He's a good player. Like If he's not going to be a first-round pick, he's going to be a second-round pick, and he could very well still be a first-round pick. Um, Teams aren't afraid of him yet. Maybe they'll come come to be afraid of him because they were afraid to throw Jeff Okuda's way last year. It's not happened yet. He's been targeted 12 times in two games. He's given up eight receptions. Two of them were bonkers catches by Jahan Dotson that there's nothing shown way he could have done other than play the good coverage that he did. So I don't want to knock him too much for that. But I just think he's trying to figure out playing outside a little bit, and he doesn't quite have it yet. It's not to say he won't get there, um, but I want to see a little more from a guy who's supposed to be like a lockdown corner. Yeah, I like that.
1: And, and honestly, he came back for that responsibility. So yeah, I don't think it's mean right. at all. I think he no, came think back he to be to the guy, player. and he wants to be known that way. And um, if it hasn't happened yet, then it's kind of a situation where you're expecting and waiting for it. So that's a good thing. Um, okay, so stock up. Do you want to go first since I went first last time?
2: Yeah, and I think we probably have like the same general idea here. Um, I am stock up very much on the idea that Tommy Togia is going to be a top 100 draft pick, and I think you can put Haskell Garrett like right next to him in the same conversation. Say that slower so people can hear that again. Tommy Togiay, Haskell Garrett, top one hundred draft picks, third third round guys at worst. That was a big jump for Garrett. It's a bigger jump for Garrett than it is for Togiay because I think you could find some people who would say that about Togiay before the year. Um, But this is like Draymond Jones, Devon Hamilton draft territory. I think they're there or they'll be there by the end of the year. They're really good. Yeah. He got shot in the face two months ago. He got shot in the face 2 months ago and like has not lost a pass rush rep since <laughs> apparently like he was winning every single battle high school Garrett was on Saturday night and Tommy Togiaye ends up with three sacks on the stat sheet and if you watch the film like he's not shooting into the backfield and blowing up the quarterback by himself three times but part of being a good defensive lineman is just like being sound and being where you're supposed to be, and sometimes he's where he's supposed to be, and the quarterback comes to him, and he cleans it up, and that's not nothing that matters, too. Um, But he also is a better interior pass rusher than I thought he'd be, and to get that from your nose tackle is pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think pressure from the inside is just special, right? I mean, you're supposed to get that pressure um, across the board (laughs) from the outside, but when you start getting that interior pressure, I mean, that's why Aaron Donald's so fun to watch. And I didn't yeah. just compare those two people, so don't take it that way. But <laughs> yeah. when you do have a, uh, a defensive lineman that's going to you know, really you know, get where it needs to go from a, a pass rush standpoint, he's going to clog up holes and disrupt the quarterback, that's a special, special combination. But that's not mine because I just thought that you would do it, so I, I made a stock different. Cool. And you're going to probably laugh at me at this. My stock is up on Justin Fields in the passing game. It's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, just because the stock is high already doesn't mean he can't go up. Have you ever looked at Amazon? (laughs) (laughs) I am more confident. It's one thing to say they've got four top 60 recruits um, at the receiver position. They've got a ton of depth and a lot uh, Brian Hartland can work with, and it's different to see it. These guys are studs. And Garrett Wilson, I think, I mean, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, are they both first-round draft picks? Yes. I think so. Is Jackson Smith – how many – we had this question in the mailbag last week. Let's answer it right now. How many first-round draft picks are in Ohio State's wide receiver room right now?
2: I will confidently say three, but I think that number can definitely get to four. Is your third Jackson Smith the jigba? My third is like one of the freshmen becomes a first-round pick. It's like kind of a bullshit hedge, I guess. Um but I believe wholeheartedly that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave will be first round picks.
1: Yeah. I think it's three and a half. Yeah, three and a half is good number two. One of them's the I think Martin I might McCall. be four. No, I honestly think I might be four. Jack, I always say this, and I think sometimes people roll their eyes at me. I think even you roll your eyes at me. But I think when somebody's going to be great, you can tell immediately. Mm-hmm. I can tell immediately Jackson Smith and the Jigbus got it. The same way we could with Chris Olave in his freshman year. When somebody's got it, he's got it. And I'm not even talking about that crazy catch he made. It was a great catch. But route running ability, swag. Every time he catches the ball, his head shaking. He's talking shit to people. Like, I love it. I love watching him play. And, you know, Garrett Wilson and Olave are probably going to free up these guys a lot. And we haven't seen Fleming yet. We haven't seen Mookie, Fleming a little bit. Not so much Mookie Cooper. Like, there's, there's more guys that we have to see. But, man... I don't know who, what team. I don't even think Alabama or Clemson who can cover these guys
2: all at once. Yeah, and even Luke you, Farrell you, you and Jeremy Ruckert are awesome. You can't cover it all. You can sell out and, and try to you know bracket Olave or double team Wilson or whatever. But they, I just think they have too much. And Luke Farrell, Luke Farrell got hurt against Penn State, and that we'll see how long he's out. That could be a significant loss for them. Like Nothing that I think is going to hurt them in, in the short term, but based off these two games like how much they're playing with two tight ends and how much they're relying on that position in the blocking game and at protection schemes, losing Luke Farrell would be a big deal. Big spot for Jeremy Rucker, but losing Farrell is a big deal if it's for any prolonged period of time. But even with that, they have a lot of answers. They have a lot of weapons. Do you want to keep ranting about that personnel package? or Do you... The fact that I yeah that I wrote a story that said they should do a thing and then Ryan Day read it and decided they were going to do the thing. Do you think it's yeah. possible that he ran
1: he read your story and did that? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't I'm think uh, Ryan Day subscribes to the athletic. You know that like Jurassic Park uh, sunglasses gif?
2: or the glasses. Yeah. Rel- <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, you read should, your story. I should throw more than a tight ends. What? <laughs> I just think they're going to be open. They are doing. I I almost use this as my stock up to be honest because. And this is like a little bit of a nitty-gritty thing, I guess, but last year last year they were not great at, at pass protection and picking up pressure, and that was on a lot of people. But when teams were blitzing them heavily, their answer to that was to release J.K. Dobbins and just throw him the ball. And now I think their answer to that is just release the tight end and throw him the ball. And you yeah. saw that a couple of times on, on Saturday night against Penn State. And, and you know, they're going to come against teams that are going to be able to pressure them more than others, but when that happens, I think that's their answer. So – I'm not saying Jeremy Rutgers is going to have 40 receptions this year. He had four against Penn State. I think he might average between two and four a game the rest of the way because of that. Um, yeah. I don't know who – God, I wish I got B. John Robinson. Yeah. It makes me I, – I wish uh, there was a way to, like, go pluck Travion Henderson out of uh, – whatever town he's in in Virginia. Should have played in the spring, in guys. I told you that was yeah. to play. Yep. At the end of the year, when they don't win a national title, we can write that column. They should have played in the spring, so Trevion Henderson could come.
1: Yeah. No, no I, I – I, I, uh, Man, I don't know. Like, this is the most positive I've been about this team ever, and I feel, like, weird about it.
2: Yeah. Maybe we're way too positive. I don't know. And I'm, I am – swayed heavily at times by like the mood that i'm sensing on like social media which is the worst but i just feel like there's a lot of negativity when there should be like a lot of like celebrating too too strong of a word but you should be embracing the special parts of this team and not highlighting all the bad things that make you want to freak out i think that it's funny because
1: you know at times like when you like if you were to tweet right now wow, that Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be something. Like, there will be people who tweet back at you and just go, one week at a time, dude. Yeah, right. I think that there are people who, like, look at this team and, like, view it like they're on the coaching staff. And it's just, like, you should be enjoying and being entertained by what you're watching. You don't have to take it one week at a time. You don't have to respect the next opponent. You don't have to get your secondary cleaned up. All you have to do is sit on your couch, preferably
2: with a hot pie, and enjoy it. So enjoy the beatdown of Rutgers on Saturday. We'll be back later in the week to talk about something else. Like we'll give our game picks, I guess, but we got to figure out something else to talk about because Lord knows we're not going to dedicate an entire episode to Ohio State versus Rutgers. We would have if Rutgers would have beat Indiana, and this was for a battle for the first play spot in the Big Ten East. Are you going to not. give?
1: Are you going to give Rutgers any like? credit for the coolest touchdown ever scored
2: in the history of college football or are you just going to believe it didn't count I, I I they give credit for me yeah I mean they still get credit but I was mad that, that didn't count I was because that guy was so sad man he was on the sideline like in tears because they took the touchdown away after all that work he had to be exhausted scoring that touchdown yeah <laughs> they that play lasted like 45 seconds even though it had no uh
1: bearing on the winner or the loss but you know uh, I, I think there's a lot there to see in the Big Ten and it might not be uh you know, from an, uh, a competitive standpoint, in Ohio State, but I think the next month is going to be more so about talking about the young guys and you know trying to you know take some lessons from each of these games. But if Ohio State covers the thirty-eight point spread, maybe next week we'll just like do a food podcast or something because we're we're in the uh, in the section here where things are getting a little bit uh, uncomfortable for Ohio State opponents, and you know that's that. But you know, hey, celebrate it was Halloween november 1st you know go get a massage relax enjoy yourself you know like i think that this is it was very easy for them to get to this point and it's supposedly the hardest point in the season so
2: you know i don't know that's what how else i can say that so strap in for some hot ruckers and maryland action we'll be here to to recount all of it on four to six with AMB. thanks for listening we'll talk to you guys later in the week